In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one woman and one man will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine, well, very little actually, Emily Jones and Eric Johnson star in Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. Whoever wins, we're still losers. Welcome to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with. And the other has never even seen, or, you know, read. I'm Emily Jones. And I'm Eric Johnson. If this is your first time listening, you can find more Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob at gvnpodcast.com. You can also find all of our past episodes on iTunes, where you can subscribe to this podcast as well. Yes, you can. And this week, we're starting A Tale of Two Cities, a Dickens novel about the best of times and the worst of times. It's just that deep. Uh, it's an expansive tale tracking the run-up to the French Revolution through an interconnected web of characters who travel between London and Paris, and I've never read it. I'm really looking forward to this one. <laughs> and I'm really glad you are. I'm super psyched to to reread this for the umpteenth time, um, which, like... I can't explain to you how many times I've reread this book, and I am not that big of a rereader. So the last book that I presented for the podcast was Sabriel, which I have mm-hmm. read several times. And by several, I mean like three, maybe okay. four. How many times have you read time, this? Including the time we read it for the podcast. I honestly have no idea. You've lost I count? I think it's, it's entirely possible that I have read this book... Uh, I've read this book more times than all of the Harry Potter novels combined. So not more times than I've read through the whole Harry Potter series. I mean, if I've, let's say I've read through the Harry Potter series, maybe three times, which again, not that big of a rereader. I've only read the whole series three or four times, maybe at most all the way through. So like, so that would be 21. That, like, so like three times seven. Yeah. I've read this book a lot. I'm obsessed. Wow. With it. Okay. And so, and so the thing is, though, like, the reason that I keep rereading it is it's so freaking complicated and crazy and long and involved that you get to the end of it and you're the, there's so much, oh God, there's so much fucking payoff at the end of this book. Hang hang on there. Yeah. I know. We're not reading the the whole book this week. We're not reading the whole book this week. I know we're not. (laughs) But the thing is, it's like you get to the end and you're like, oh my God, that was so good. But like, this is so good and complicated. I don't even remember how we got here. Like. I have to start over again. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of worried a lot now. Of times. Oh my God. It's All so right. good. So, so what, what are we reading this week for this week's discussion? Okay. So we're actually going to, I, I struggled with this a little bit, but we're actually going to read um, more than half of the book, uh, which is unusual for us. We usually divide it right about halfway. But like I said, um, this book, like much of Dickens, I mean, if you've ever read not a Christmas Carol, but like, like Dickens, like long ass Dickens novels. Um, he's all about like, like uber complicated, well done, but you're not really sure how it's related exposition to motherfucking payoff. Like that's his whole thing. <laughs> his payoff was so, being game paid by the word, but yeah, <laughs> you know, he did pretty well for himself in his lifetime. Yeah. Um, but so we're going to read the first two books of what is a three book novel. Um, okay. Yeah. So 
Uh, in case you somehow read an edition that doesn't have it divided into books, um, the the last chapter you should read is called like "Drawn to the Lodestone" or something like that. Um, Spoiler alert: lodestones are somehow involved. <laughs> I don't know what lodestones are. Do you? So it's fine. Mm. And it's also a metaphor. <laughs> I'm pretty okay. sure. Spoiler um, alert: there are metaphors in this book. Holy shit! <laughs> oh my god, metaphors in a Victorian <laughs> novel? What are you talking about? Um. So I'm trying to come up with a way to explain where I think any edition that you have should probably have it divided into the three parts. Okay. Well, the edition that I'm using, I'm getting the free version from Project Gutenberg. So let's hope that works. <laughs> yes. Um, we, we should, um, but yeah, uh, so you're gonna read the you're gonna read the first two books. Yes. Is where we'll land. Okay. Well, I'm going to. We're recording this uh, more than more than a little bit before uh we actually discuss it because it's long as shit it's, right so i will see you in some indeterminate amount of time after i have read the first two books uh readers go do yourselves a favor go you know save this episode until this you've had one, a chance to read that and this one yes and this one you really 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 should read there's a couple of other great novels that we're gonna um we're going to be be lame and cheap and watch miniseries instead um, because the novels are great, but there also happen to be really stellar uh, miniseries adaptations of it. That's not true of this one. There isn't a it good shorthand. The there isn't a good, there isn't a good way to cheat. You just got to read the damn novel and it's amazing. Wait, you mean Sasha cancel my Amazon order of the cliff notes for this? Is that? <laughs> yes. Please do that. Okay. Okay. I'll go do that. And then I'll actually read the book. Yes. See you in a bit slash Bye. a long time. Bye. Hey guys, Eric and I are off reading the first part of A Tale of Two Cities, or actually the first two parts of A Tale of yeah, Two Cities. It's, it's kind of weird how like the first part is like really short compared to the second two parts after that. So yeah, the middle the middle section is really really long. But for breaking up the discussion, as uh, as we've already said, it it just made the most sense to do it with the first two parts. So this is going to be the bulk of your Tale of Two Cities reading, but it's worth it. I promise. It really 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 is worth it. So yeah, Jury's I mean, out on how Eric feels about that. Right. I mean, um, you'll, you'll, you'll find out pretty soon after we finish talking here. But uh, in any case, the wonderful thing about A Tale of Two Cities is that not only is it available in your local bookstore, and you can probably buy it for your Kindle or whatever, it's also an old book, so it's in the public domain. Free. So you can just go get it for free. Freedom! Woo! Free yeah, ebooks, Always fun. So I, I in whatever really format you yell. read it in. Yeah. Whether it's a dog-eared copy you read, you've read twenty five thousand times. This this one over here. Hi. <laughs> uh, or you can do what I did, and you can go to Project Gutenberg, which has all those old books, you know, for as free uh, eBooks, I guess you would call it. Um, and then I, what I actually did is I, I split between Project Gutenberg and like the audiobook version because I was just finding that I like I needed to keep myself on task. So because I, I was just like. We really need to tape this episode. We need to tape this episode. So just to make myself keep on, you know, <laughs> uh, to keep on going, I was, I was splitting my time between those two things. So however you want to do it, you'll find a way. Good luck and happy reading. Yes. Oh, we, we should probably say that we uh, are going to spoil the first two books in Tale of Two Cities. Oh, maybe yeah. Like, Obviously, don't listen. Saying. Yeah, don't listen on if you haven't 
finish the reading that we just assigned you. I mean, unless you just really don't want care, to. Which I don't know why enjoy. you wouldn't care because it's super important. Yeah. I mean, unless you're weird or whatever, you know, you should go read. Not that we're othering you. Right. Not at all. Anyway, enjoy the book. (laughs) And we're back. We have just read the first two books of A Tale of Two Cities by Mr. Charles Dickens. Uh, Emily, that was quite a bit of reading. Yeah, it was. I'm sorry about that. But... The uh, the reading for the second episode is not going to be as much. <laughs> yes. Uh, so before we get to what I thought of the first two books here, why don't we talk a bit about... I, I, I know this is going to, as always, when we watch a two-hour movie, it's like, oh, there's so many things. I can't decide one thing that I like. It should be so is easy it, for you to yeah, pick out one thing Several hundred pages the... of literature that I've read like a couple dozen yeah. times. Yeah. Um, no, it is tough. It's really tough. Um, am I allowed to do two things? Because it's really long? I think you usually do two things without asking, okay. so why not? <laughs> All right. So I, I love a couple things about this, um, and I'm going to do my best to avoid any spoilers. Um, yes, so, no spoilers Right, so I'm going to pick non-spoilery <laughs> things, although the second one is going to sound a bit spoilery, possibly. Uh, okay. sound like it's difficult to talk about without spoiling. Um, I really, I love the characters. Um, they're very, and this is, this is a, this is a Dickens thing. Like it's, it's a thing that Dickens does really, really well. And I happen to, I think he does, he does a particularly great job in this. Um, the, I don't know. They're all, they're all so different and so like, well, um, so well well drawn i guess um they're they're uh well illustrated and and you know they're they're very um they tend to be very archetypal like they're not necessarily all that human necessarily but like they're so they're so great to read about i mean like madame defarge is just and and she becomes even bigger um in this in the third book at, that she's just like oh, she, <laughs> she's so um she's so i guess powerful like all of the characters are such like powerful forces um in the book sure. if that makes sense um and they're also even like even characters who are sort of more minor and you don't really know what what point they have like jerry cruncher that you were texting me about like yeah. he's so he's he's so well drawn and so like so so detailed and and you know such a part of it even though at this point you don't yet know like what kind of part he has to why play. he's there yeah so so far i i texted you while i was reading uh the after reading the chapter where he's uh like hit, hitting on a violently wife, abusive or, or, husband or and father yeah yeah uh and where i said that text like okay so this guy's a piece of shit um but um yeah like so with, with the characters you you have characters that are sort of 
at once meant to be have their own arcs but are also supposed to be representative of like obviously these gigantic political changes and so you have to have the spectrum and so yeah, i'm fully expecting that in the same way that the character of charles darnay didn't make any sense until like a couple chapters later when we actually figure out who he is you know in, in some greater detail i I'm, i fully expected that, that all of the major characters that, that i've met who are not totally clear will will become coming to sharper focus. Yeah, and I've three. and I've mentioned to you a couple times. Um I don't think it's I don't think it's a spoiler cuz you have read other Dickens novels to say like it's all about it's and this cuz this is true of him pretty generally like it's it's all about like crazy disparate stuff and then massive payoff. Um so yeah. you know, the next book that and that's why and that's also why we didn't read half. It's why we read the first two and then we're reading the last one is because the last one is just so much amazing payoff. Um, but yeah, so I really, I really like the characters. Well, I just and also, think like, that, if what? we had just, well, if we had just divided it into into half, then we probably wouldn't have gotten to the storming of the Bastille, which well, is just like talk talk about a page turner way to you know, like you know, cl- close out the last couple. And that's the know. thing is, it's it is, um, it's such a it it is a slow. It's a it's a pretty slow beginning, despite having one of the most famous opening sentences in all of. English yeah. language literature or all of literature. <laughs> it's um it's it is a slow beginning. I mean Yeah. Essentially nothing happens in like the first what two chapters? Like you don't even really meet characters. It's like and Yeah, I, I that was that was rough going, is yeah. just getting started. Yeah, getting getting know, started but... and getting into it. And then yeah, there's a couple of there's a couple of chapters scattered throughout that are like mm-hmm. the what what? Kind of like what's going on yeah. in craziness. Um but yeah, it it's it is and in my experience, um, it's the closest thing Dickens has ever written to a page turner. As you get yeah. as you get into it, and the th- events start unfolding, and again, the third the third book will be more like that. Um, 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 wait, but, but uh, yeah, can I say my other thing? And this is the one that it's going to sound yes, like course. I. This is going to this is the one that's going to sound like how are you going to say this without spoiling things? But um, <laughs> the other thing I really, really, really love is, and this is, and this is this is a rereading thing also like this is something that you get more out of and I I get more out of it the more times I read it the foreshadowing there's so much freaking foreshadowing and like the uh well that's the whole thing is I kind of got the sense while I was reading that like there's a lot of stuff that will make more sense in the second read um and I I guess and will make more sense well and this is this is why as I think I've said why I I end up reading it over and over is because yeah. there's so much density that, like, then when you get to the end, you're like, wait, shit, what were all those details that made that all work? And you go back and you're like, okay, like, you go through it again. So, yes, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I am no- that I notice. Um, and, you know, I haven't been I – ha- I, I usually appreciate it without actively appreciating it. And this time I'm, like, dog-earing pages because I want to talk about it. There's a lot of stuff I'm not going to mention, <laughs> um, obviously. But, well, and, and of course – next time, And, yeah. of course, there's also, like, there's some there's – some, heavy-handed foreshadowing too like the you know the woodman fate had already set aside those trees to build the guillotine and like the um the farmer i don't even remember which the the farmer is supposed to represent has set aside these you know country carts to be the tumbrils of the revolution like that's right in the front like that's that is Mm -hmm. some heavy-handed serious ridiculous foreshadowing but to to bring up something, for instance, that you already know the 
you already know part of the payoff too. Um, now, okay, so I I read these two books. I reread these two books like a couple months ago, and then I just started rereading them again. So I haven't gotten all the way to the end of them. Remind me, sure. you know, you know what Jerry Cruncher's second source of income is, right? Uh, he is. He, well, he was fishing, and he pulled a coffin out of the water. Uh, and his son saw him doing that, and then his son asked him, like, what someone who like brings people to life, something like that. Right. The chapter is written from the son's perspective, so you yeah. don't quite get it. But so do you, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think I fully got what he was doing there. <laughs> oh, then maybe I won't bring up this particular bit of foreshadowing because I don't want to tell you. Yeah. Damn it. I mean, it seemed a bit like maybe person smuggling, some sort of something like that, but I wasn't quite sure. Okay. Then I'm not. Like they... Damn it. Okay. Let me. I wonder if there's anything else that I can indicate. Um, yeah. Since you haven't sorted out what the hell that was about, I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna pull out my example from the book, but I'll just say there's much more there's much more foreshadowing and hinting and setting up um that is subtle and that you don't you don't get until yeah. until you know what it's about than there is stuff about the woodsman fate having set aside trees to be part of the guillotine right. kind of stuff which of course there's lots of too but you know that's well that, that's, that's the, the woodsman stuff like makes sense in the first pass as long as you know what the french revolution is and that it's happening at this time which i and think you're supposed really to i think you're supposed to know coming into this well, of course of course but something that i really liked is that it didn't treat it as like it because everyone reading it is expected to know that this was a major historical event and that it's sort of this it's the shadow looming over this point in history it's it's you know um i actually kind of like the heavy-handed foreshadowing to be honest it sounds like you're not as big a fan of it i i like the fact that it it confronted the elephant in the room which is just like shit is about to go down y'all that's that's pretty much dickens oh i'm not right i'm not not a fan <laughs> of it i love it i think it's great yeah. and i i i love um i mean i love i love his style and i love his level of heavy heavy-handedness i was i was say, I, I said it the way i did because i was trying to trying to head you off of the past assuming that you might have been a little like you might have been rolling your eyes a little bit at his because um, because i've okay so i've encountered other people who feel that way about him i've encountered yeah. i've encountered no, i mean I, I would understand i've that, encountered but, other yeah. people who who are who get frustrated with his sort of florid language who get frustrated with his who you well you that, mi- well yeah. I, I did get frustrated you sometimes. might consider it's, it's... you might consider like you might consider some of that kind of stuff a little bit overwrought. Like I've read people who, who roll their eyes at the, the sort of fateful interconnectedness of all Hmm. of these things that happen. And I have to say like, there's, there is a little bit less of that in this. I think the fate, the fateful interconnectedness than there is in a lot of stuff. Like in a lot of his, in a lot of his novels, like these chance meetings of people come back later because it turns out that, um, you know, this person is actually that person, like whatever they were, right. that was their maid that it, all kinds of craziness that like, right. Very soap opera style. Somebody, like it was me the whole see, time. Kinda. <laughs> and this, like, there's a little bit of that, but like, it makes a little more sense. Well, there is a little bit of that. There's maybe one really big instance of that, but, um, mm. But for the most part, like, it does make sense that all of these characters have really interconnected lives because all of them do actually have interconnected lives. Like, it's not like you meet them and then you find out that they're 
inter- secretly interconnected and they didn't know. It's more like it makes sense. They're all interconnected. They all know each other, dating pretty much from this one period of time. And like, yeah. Yeah. The language. Oh, so, God. I lo- I'm sorry. You have to talk now. I can't keep talking about things. Like that. <laughs> uh, well, I never said explicitly, but you can probably infer that I did enjoy what we've read of, of the book so far. With the reservation of some of the language, I, I even though I, I was fine with some of the heavy-handed foreshadowing, you know, I... I kind of go back and forth on on Dickens about you know when when it's when he's kind of padding when he's saying in, in fifty words that he could have said in ten you know um, and that yeah that does happen a lot it got annoying at times especially as I was kind of rushing to you know make sure that I could you know finish this to you know um, in time but but in the end it kind of um, I don't know it's it's not something that sti- it's not a, it's not something that sticks out or that that sticks with me as like a problem necessarily it's kind of an annoyance at the moment and maybe maybe specific to maybe particular to to sort of the conditions under which I'm like you know thinking about reading this as an assignment almost <laughs> yeah you know? well and I think that's part of why a lot of people hate it when they read it in school it's also yeah. like I think a lot of people get forced to read it in school too early um but yeah. for me like I, I also will acknowledge that like there is a lot of there's a lot of verbal padding that goes on and like a lot of like you could have said that maybe a little more quickly but like yeah for me the 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 genius of some parts of the language just just really outweighs that for instance yes um uh, here we go Definitely so from agree. for instance I love the court scene I think the court scene is so great and like the way that like there's no actual dialogue, but he writes it in this way that, like, sums it up perfectly, but is also, like, super, like, satirical about the court proceedings. For instance... Right. Um, there was to say, by coming and going between the dominions of our said serene, illustrious, excellent, and so forth, and those of the said French Louis, and wickedly, falsely, traitorously, and otherwise evil adverbiously, revealing to the yeah. said French Louis what forces our said serene, blah, 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 like... The way that he first of all like re- repeats those phrases over and over again about like the 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 kings and all that stuff, but I just the otherwise evil adverbiously is like my favorite. Like I <laughs> I, I just die over that phrase. I think it's so it's just so delightful. Yeah. Oh, I also liked any of the scenes where he's describing just sort of the goings on in was it uh, Saint? What, what was the name of the town with the wine, the Defarge's wine shop? Uh, Saint Antoine. San Antoine. Also, um, uh, that's in Paris. I don't like. Oh, really? I mean, I, oh, that wasn't clear to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I um, I'm I'm fairly certain that is supposed to be in Paris. It's weird because it says suburb, but I think that that just means that it's like an like an out part of the outlying area yeah. that's still technically Excerpt. Paris. Yeah. Um Okay, okay. Yeah, because because like that that's that's always been my understanding. I noticed the suburb word for the first time. This time it's always been my understanding that it's like a that it's like a neighborhood of Paris. Um okay. cuz like there are other times when they in fact when when Defarge um helps uh Dr. Manette and Lucy and Mr. um Lori leave in the mm-hmm. in the beginning like right. the fifth chapter, um there's a there's some sort of interaction with a guard and that's like that's like a city guard that's my understanding has always been that's like a city okay. guard i could be wrong with again the word suburb I, I noticed this time for the first time and i don't know why it says that but like 
maybe it's one of these words that maybe means something like over time what what we think of a suburb is like you know america since the 1950s suburb versus the maybe if dickens used that word or a similar word and it meant something else yeah and if um and and more more than a lot of our cities um paris is very much a city that has little sub sub towns in it like like yeah, there are exactly. whole parts of Paris that have you know their own little like like San Antonio things that are technically Paris but that have the towns with it yeah, yeah, yeah. that it it feel it feels like a like a sort of weird sub smaller village but also you can see um you can see Notre Dame from the oh garret. right yeah from yeah. the window right yeah okay yeah. Um, anyway, well, sorry. <laughs> anyway, so I like I liked any of the I, I really like just all of the descriptions of uh, both you know within the wine shop and then the scene where the wine cask breaks oh, outside or or of what the Defarges are seeing or kind of or the descriptions of Ms., of Madame Defarge's knitting just like pretty much any scene that was taking place there I w- I was into and I was just like I, I like the there writing knitting about and she saw this. Nothing. Exactly, exactly. Um, I was not quite as much a fan of some of the scenes in, back in London where it's kind of, um, I don't know, as much as I really like uh, Sidney Carton as a, as a character, like I thought he was like a really well done character, I felt like I was just like getting bored of them, of, of Dickens just stating over and over again that he's he's drunk and depressed. I get it. He's drunk and depressed, you know? <laughs> um, that that, that was one of the comment. things where... You, you disagree? <laughs> no, I am withholding comment on Sydney Carton. I can't talk. Oh, I can't. Okay. I'm sorry. I can't comment. talk about Sydney Carton. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. At this well, point in the book. <laughs> in any case, I, I yeah. So I was kind of maybe my opinion will change after book three. But but in any case, there 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 were scenes in London, and he wasn't the only one. That's just well, the first thing that came to mind. But or also scenes where between uh, Lucy and Doctor Manette, where I felt it was a bit. It was like you could have done this in a scene. You didn't need a whole chapter to do this sort of thing. Yeah, that was just well, kind of my. Um, and some of thing. some of that stuff is is the the archetype stuff that I was getting at again. Like like he does have a he does have a really strong tendency to to make somewhat archetypal characters and like and like sort yeah. of sort of like beat to death some of their characteristics. Um, I find. Um, what I'll say is I find Sidney Carton more interesting. Um, and, and again, this is something knowing his full character arc and going back and reading it. I find, mm-hmm. I find the parts you're yeah. talking about more interesting and compelling probably than you do. Um, I find him more interesting than a lot of, than a lot of Dickens archetypal characters. I think he's actually a lot more three dimensional than some of them. The character I actually have the mm-hmm. most, um, the character I actually have the most issue with is Lucy because she, um, yeah. she, falls into a type that I think I've complained about on this podcast before. Dickens is very guilty of it. Um, but it's a type that exists elsewhere too. Austin does it sometimes. Um, a lot of, a lot of authors do this kind of angelic young woman thing. Yep. What, what is the other Dickens novel you told me you'd read other than a Christmas Carol, uh, which, uh, David. Yeah. Um, so the one he ends up marrying after the other one dies, I've, I've um, forgotten the book by now. I was forced to read in high school, and I retained zero. Oh, of it. okay. I think her name is. Well, I yeah. think her name is Agnes. There's like a girl who like works with his first guy that she. Um, it's the daughter of the like lawyer he works for initially. Um, okay. Or okay. no, I'm sorry. Lives with when he's at school. He's like living okay. with this lawyer guy, and uh, there's the daughter, and she's like he thinks of her as a big sister, but she's also just like great. There's this affection between them, and they end up marrying, which is like super obvious all along that they were supposed to get married. But she's yeah. I she's another one that like he 
she's kind of gentle and, and just, patient just, and just perfect and described right. in all of these just like just exalting terms about like incredibly patient and generous and kind hearted and and yeah. uh you know she just never does anything wrong and is just just <laughs> the most wonderful and virtuous and completely flawless you know and it's it's boring mm-hmm. it's a really really common type of character and it's boring um there's yeah you know jane bennett we haven't we're gonna do pride and prejudice at some other point but jane bennett is the same way one of the one of the sisters in that like there's it's it's a common type of female character and it's really like yeah fortunately there are other female characters in this right i I think that's part of the reason why madame defarge is such like a breath of fresh air going from a scene in london to then then to paris and like having a scene with her where she's literally cutting a dude's head off like it's like holy shit she's such a (laughs) Um, badass and like and oh i just have you have you um have you seen the americans no, okay, that's going to be on the podcast yeah. list because I just I yeah. am partway through season three. I've been binging that this week, um, yeah. and it, oh my god, it's so good! And this is actually everyone's told me I, I'll love it. So it'll probably be one of the boring episodes where we just agree on it's good. We can talk I'm about all the we can talk about all the cool like and complicated it. ways that it's good. And actually, okay. one of the things one <laughs> of the things that I really really like about the Americans is also something I really like about the Defarges, which is like. I love that in many ways she is much more the hardliner and like the badass. Yeah. He he's a bit more like cautious or a bit more sort of something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a little more cautious, um, a little more human at times, which maybe will come up a little mm-hmm. later if I'm remembering correctly. He's he's just not he's not quite this like you know hard unyielding um, right you know nothing but the cause committed revolutionary the way that she is which which like i think i just think it's such a such a great and like unusual dynamic to kind of like twist that around and like make her the like make her the hard serious one him extremist him the like him the softy not that he's a softy but you know comparatively but you know compared to yeah (laughs) um yeah, so so that was kind of yeah, I, I felt like with Lucy, with her character, um I don't know, I, I was a little bit weirded out in the first book when she first meets her dad, Doctor Minette, but I guess before he's Doctor Minette when he's still just prisoner Minette, you know, uh or, or recently prisoner Minette. She meets him and, and, you know, just due to her angelic nature, she is immediately, like, you know, on, on her knees, like, kind of, you know, you know, saying, accepting him as her father. I mean, it's strained credulity a little bit just because maybe Cause you it's, don't like, know Because you don't know any 17-year-olds who would actually behave that way. That, and also I've just been primed by other fiction that, about, you know, reconnecting family that there's always, you know, people are maybe a bit more skeptical of, like, here's some random dude, he's your long-lost father, and maybe people don't immediately accept that quite as as readily as she did. Yeah. Um. So, you know. Well, I guess, okay, that's not fair. Because she, she did go through, before she met him, she did go through, she, like, fainted when, I mean, she she did have a, a when, when Mr. Laurie told her, she did ha- have a rough time at first. So that's maybe not fair of me. Yeah, to say well, that and she, I will say, I think, it, um, I think some of her reaction, um, in the uh in that in that garret room is a little bit less uh i don't know that it's a hundred percent like you're my dad so much as like as like 
sympathy for for this incredibly broken like i i mean it's it's a really it's a really like tragic and awful awful scene Mm -hmm. um and you know uh like even I, I'd have to, I'd have to look to find the specific. Example. There's even like a tiny hint that like Mr. Laurie is actually like have like feeling some emotion on that occasion, which he like makes a big <laughs> a man show of, business. of not ever feeling any emotion. Which he is a man of business. He just a, shows no emotion. He's so full of shit. <laughs> um, he's not actually. He thinks of himself as a man of business. But anyway, but that, that's that was one of my favorite things. By the way, when it, and the scenes with Mister Laurie is where when he would constantly refer to himself as a man of business, man of business. Like that was it, also a bit heavy handed. But I just I, I I loved the the fact that he would. Uh, that here was a character who was applying a character trait to himself in his own dialogue, that he was constantly, like, reminding other people of the character he had defined for himself. And I, as a man of business, da-da-da-da-da, that, 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 that was one of my favorite things about his character. Yeah, and I, um, well, and I like the way you see, you see cracks in that in his actual behavior. Yes. Um, which, again, there's more of, but, um, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I don't know, like, what, what, what else is, uh, without spoiling book three, like, uh, what, what else do you like, dislike, what, what's, what's sort of your, um, your strongest, I guess, associations with these first two books that, uh, maybe I noticed, maybe I didn't notice, but that, that I should have. (laughs) Hmm, I don't know. I know most of the stuff that I dog-eared when I was reading it, um, most recently was, like, mostly, like, foreshadowing stuff that. I can't. Yeah. I can't tell you right now. Um, fine, fine. Sorry. I really. I was really <laughs> struck this time by how just brilliant that court scene is, which we already talked about. But it's just like, it's yeah. so good on so many levels. <laughs> um, at first, I didn't realize that I like. At, at first, I just thought that um, Carton and Striver were like going to be minor characters who were just going to oh, appear. I love for, that like, dynamic between them. So I kind of had to backtrack a little bit uh, through the court scene to to like be like, oh, okay, these people were important. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, especially like they um, barely like, even get... mentioned Striver by name. Um, right. But no, that di- that dynamic is so great, and like I don't know if you picked up on because it's it's it happens in dialogue, but um, they went to school together. Um, yeah. But like. And I could be wrong about this, but my my assumption when I read that and and knowing like other the ways that characters talk in other British things is that they mean like grade school. They don't mean college. Like, yeah, when they usually I mean, again, I could be wrong about this. And, you know, maybe I don't know if we have any I don't know if we have any UK listeners that might call me out on this. But my my understanding usually when characters in in British literature or TV or movies say we were at school together they mean they mean young All they mean back. young school huh. yeah I mean maybe not like maybe not like maybe not like kindergarten but like they were in like the equivalent of like of like middle and high like pre college together what, what is it called primary, primary school or yeah I guess <laughs> something like that um, yeah. but yeah no so they they go like way 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 back and. Uh, you know, and this has like always been their dynamic. That Carton has always been always been smarter, but never been motivated, and has yeah. always been like yeah. doing work for other people. It's like, yeah. Stri- Stri- Striver is definitely turning into a bigger asshole in like the last He's couple chapters of book two. <laughs> shouldering <laughs> his way like... here and shouldering his way there, and that that's a great for, for, for that character. Yeah. 
Um, and that, yeah, that, that's that's the whole the, the 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 stuff that everyone always says about Dickens, but it's they say because it it's true. It's like not it's even a... character names and creative like verbs and adjectives. Just evil just adverbiously for, for pairing with the characters. Yeah, no, because yeah, because it's yeah. not even. I mean, shouldering like you use that as a verb, but like not in this way. And it's like it is a perfect right. way of describing. And we all we all kind of know people like that, right? That are like sort of yeah. like bru- <laughs> like climbers in like a brutish way, you know, sort of force. Strivers, For, you yeah. Might say. yeah. <laughs> force themselves, <laughs> who force themselves into into situations and force themselves sort of up the ladder. And shouldering is the perfect, you know, verb yeah. to kind of sum that up. Yeah, it's great. I, I guess that's the thing that that's so weird about Dickens is that sometimes he takes a hundred words to say something, and sometimes he only needs the one. Like he's really good sometimes at finding the one, but other times, I guess because he was getting paid by the word, he's just like, yeah, but you know what'd be better than one. 30 (laughs) (laughs) that is true and again Uh, sometimes sometimes i think it's really really worth it and sometimes it's you know maybe not um and one thing we will continue to find out one thing i will say also (laughs) that again and this is something you won't fully appreciate until the second part but um you know how people talk about and like you'll see leaked online like the um like like J.K. Rowling's like plan for Harry Potter from like mm-hmm. the very beginning, and there's so much. I mean her 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 handwritten spreadsheet yeah. on, on and the like, paper, and it's like and it's like there's so much <laughs> stuff that like she clearly knew she was going to Horcruxes at least from book mm-hmm. two and like all of that kind of stuff. Um, right, and people are all like very impressed with that, and like that is that's very much my like sense from this too, and you know. Um, mm. And the reason I bring this up is because the thing you have to keep in mind is this shit was published serially. Yeah. It was published. This is what? Like every month? It was published chapter by chapter. And theoretically, you could write the beginning, you know, and and, and actually, like, it it has been said that, like, some of his, another criticism that that Dickens gets lobbed at Dickens a lot Mm -hmm. is, like, kind of crazy Pollyanna endings, especially after all of the, like, all of the sort of darkness of humanity that he gets into. Um, sometimes his endings are, like, beautiful, beautiful <laughs> sunshine and, like, what even is happening? <laughs> and, like, y- you know, some of that is public pressure, like, to end to sure. end on a rosy, happy note because he's ha- he was a very, very popular writer and people were reading these things chapter by chapter. But when, when I go back and read it and see, like, the seeds of every stinking little detail of how the whole story plays out. Some of which you're already starting to see play out. Some of right. which will play out more and more and more as we go along. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's like this story, every detail of this story is like all fitted together from the very, very beginning. Yeah. That's, that's good to know. All right. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to book the third. So uh, whatever that one's called. So, um, yeah, so we will be doing, I guess we'll be doing a, an episode in between this and that Correct. with one of my picks. And then we'll be coming back, wrapping up Tale of Two Cities, uh, in two weeks time. Correct. The third book is called The Track of a Storm. The Track of the Storm. Ooh. There was a lot of storm a metaphors name. in the chapter names from the end of the second book. Yeah, there's the flood and then the, the yeah. yeah, rising flood fire. and fire and drawn to the lodestone rock. Right. <laughs> that sounds like the name of like a metal album or something like Kinda that. Does, like, yeah. you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, Eric, what but, are we gonna do in this this intervening episode while we're while yes. while you're reading? Well, uh, I guess I was thinking about sort of epic stories and things like that. Uh, we're going to be embarking on a new TV show, yeah. which uh, you know. If my master plan comes to fruition, you will get as addicted to as Doctor Who. Maybe you won't. I don't know. Uh, we're going to be watching uh, first few episodes of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Interesting. I am intrigued. Yes. Uh, so, and and we will absolutely not be watching the M Night Shyamalan movie. Please <laughs> do not watch that and think it is any way repre- related to the TV show. It never happened. Okay. This I have heard. Good. <laughs> so yes, so basically, like how I movie. feel about the Uma Thurman, uh, Ray Fiennes Avengers movie. I was just going to say, the, the, the Avengers, yeah, it's, um, yes, it, exactly, same, same idea. So, we'll be watching the, the, the TV show, which, which is excellent, uh, or at least, well, not the whole TV show, first few episodes uh, next week. Until then, Emily, where else can we find you on the internet? I am on Twitter, at EJ Reports. And I'm on Twitter, at HeyHeyESJ. This is Giant Geek versus Mega Noob, signing off. Enjoy your reading. This has been Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. For more, visit gvnpodcast.com.